Welcome to Season 2 of the Own Your Creativity Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Johnston. The last few days, I've immersed myself in poetry, and I came across this lovely poem by Hafi that I wanted to share with you. It goes like this. I wish I could show you, when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. For many years, I've been facilitating workshops and coaching people one-on-one to help people share their personal stories. Sometimes this takes the form of essays, other times the form of memoir, or even blog posts. However expressed, these stories are so important to share because they allow each of us to see the astonishing light that is all around us. Isn't that one of the highest good things we can do with our lives, helping those who come after us to see that they are not alone, that we can relate, that not only have we gone through something similar, but we have come through the other side and are still shining our light? I'm always amazed in my classes and private coaching how healing and transformative the process of writing and sharing stories is. And you know, it's lovely to have achieved or overcome something in our lives, but we don't really understand the depths of that event until we write and share about it. I believe so firmly in this process of writing about your life, and that is why I'm very excited about the upcoming memoir writing retreat that I'll be co-leading with my good friend and prolific writer, Sherry Mers. Our online retreat, Rapid Plan Your Memoir, happens August 21 to 23, and we can't wait to help you shine your light through your memoir. During our fun and interactive weekend together, Sherry and I want to empower you with the tools to successfully write your memoir. We know that it's hard to focus, to get organized, to know what to put in where and what to leave out and how to find the time to get your memoir written. We've got you covered on this and a whole lot more. To get the details and to register, go to bit.ly forward slash rapid memoir. We're looking forward to meeting you on October 21st. In today's episode, I interview Glory Alley. She's a travel blogger and entrepreneur who has experienced her own brand of challenges, but has the courage to follow her dreams anyway. Glory, can you just tell us a little bit um, about yourself and, uh, you know, how did you start your blog? Because you have a really unique blog and I'd love to like hear about like how you came up with the idea and, um, and how you brought it into being. Sure, absolutely. So um, I started my, well, actually I should go back a little bit. I, my father, and my mother inspired me to travel. Um, as I was younger, we used to do a lot. Of, I'm Puerto Rican, so we would go to either Brooklyn with my family for the summer or to Puerto Rico. So we traveled a lot. And one of the things that he did a lot was we did road trips. So at that time, back in the 80s and 90s, we'd take out a map and we would sit by the table and we'd highlight the road that we were going to take to go to wherever we were going to our destination. So that really inspired the travel in me and to want to. Um, you know, know different cultures and understand different people. And so during the presidential election in the U.S., um, I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what to do because there was so much negativity around Muslim people and how America was not friendly. And so I was like, wait, I wanted to do a travel blog for a long time. 
And this is the perfect time because I can combine my travel blogging with combating Islamophobia at the same time. So that's how my travel blog started um, four years ago was um, traveling to inspire Muslims to travel. Um, especially right now, what I do is I focus on the United States as a Muslim friendly country because it is, but that's not what we see on the news. So I have a lot of people that will contact me, email me, DM me and say, oh, but America is not Muslim friendly. It's not a friendly place. And I'm like, no, no, don't listen to the news. We're very friendly. We have all different cultures here, um, all different people. And, you know, we want you to come and we want you to visit us. And so that's how my travel blogging started. That's awesome. And it's got a great name. Tell us the name of your blog. Oh, it's called Muslim Travel Rocks. R-O-C-K-S, because we rock. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And so what are some of the things that that you're posting um, recently, you know, on on your blog? What are some of the topics that you have? So... A lot of the things that I do right now is a lot of people overseas do not know that in America we have mosque and they're like, you don't have mosque. Where am I going to go pray? And I'm like, what are you talking about? We have mosque. We have what we call halal food, which is food that's permissible um, in Islam, just like um, kosher food. So we have halal food. So what I post a lot about is, for example, I'll go to Philadelphia because I live close to Philadelphia and I'll write about all the activities, all the destinations that you can go to that is a friendly environment to go to. And at the same time, I will let them know, hey, this is the mosque where you can go to this mosque in prayer, you can go to that mosque, because as Muslims, we have a five, five prayers a day. So we still need, you know, we can travel and do what we need to do, work and everything, but we still have to pray our regular five prayers. Um, so that's something that does not stop, that it's constant for us. So I let them know where they can go pray. And then at the same time, I'm like, hey, we have, you know, halal food carts on this road, or you can go to this halal restaurant. And that's what they want to know. They want to know, you know, where I can go and visit. But at the same time, I still need to keep to my faith. And I still need to know where I can pray and where I can eat. Yeah. And you you, uh, shared with me this really amazing statistic about um, how much is spent. Um, Yeah. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So the Muslim travel spend, Muslims are spending in, uh, I believe it was 2019, we spent $220 billion on travel alone, right? Wow. And, um, and that's expected to grow in 2030 to 200, uh, $300 billion. So my goal as a Muslim travel writer in the United States is to educate the travel industry and to let them know, hey, why aren't you marketing to Muslims? Why are you letting all the other countries, you know, um, have, uh, you know, market to the Muslim countries? And another thing that I wanted to bring up is that Japan and Italy are up to be the hubs of Muslim travel. So they are marketing to Muslim travelers. Um, There's a lot of halal destinations, which is permissible again um, for Muslims and that's how they're targeting targeting Muslims right that's how they're marketing to Muslims is by letting them know hey you can come to our country and yeah so you know you can spend your money in our country and they know that they're welcome there and that you know they're aware of their cultural and religious yes absolutely I know for the last Olympics um, they had about five places where Muslim people can go pray for the Olympics 
you know? So mm -hmm. it, it's something that people are aware of uh, overseas a lot. It's not in the United States. It's not too much. A lot of people don't even know. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a big travel spend. We're spending billions of dollars. We travel longer for over two weeks to a month. And a lot of Muslims travel with their families. And then the new thing that's up and rising now is a lot of uh, solo female, female travelers. Oh. Now that they're, you know, in college and they want to travel. And so that is up and coming. There's a lot of solo Muslim travelers. And they want to feel safe. They want to know, and their parents want to know, where are you going? Is it safe? You need to call me. You need to contact me. Can you go and pray? You know, can you eat uh, uh, permissible food? So all these things are things that I talk about in, in Muslim Travel Box in my blog. Cool. And so you really niched down. And did you feel like that was restrictive or has it been the opposite for you? Has it actually opened doors for you? So I tell you, when I first um, niched down, my thing was, I, how do I serve Muslims? How do I combat Islamophobia? So that was an easy, okay, I'm a Muslim traveler. I know what our needs and wants are, so I can you know, focus about this. But there was one point in time when I was like, oh my God, am I niching down too much? Like so that, that was really scary for me. And um, it made me stop and think. And then I started to think, well, wait a second, you know, the travel blogging industry is, is a huge space, right? How can I serve? How can I provide? How can I get people to like, trust me and follow me if I'm not niching down? So that kind of made me feel more comfortable. Like, okay, this is what I need to do. And, you know, who's going to follow me? Who's going to, you know, read my blogs if, if I don't niche down? Mm -hmm. That's, um, you know, that's one of the things that I started to do. And sometimes niching can feel counterintuitive at first. The idea of scaling down um, is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me, it actually was. And finding your business niche is a great way to make it more successful. So yet many businesses are totally afraid to niche down for fear of limiting their services. And that's what I was scared of. And not just that, I was also scared of, of Islamophobia. So I haven't, you know, thankfully haven't really experienced Islamophobia, but I was scared because at the time that I started my blog was during the Muslim travel blog band, um, during the presidential election. So I, you know, I was nervous and I was afraid, but it's one of the best things that I ever did because when I decided to niche down, I um, wasn't afraid anymore. I wanted to, I didn't want to serve everyone. I wanted to to serve the Muslim travels, travelers, but at the same time, I wanted to educate the travel industry on the amount of money that we spend, how we travel, and that you should be targeting, targeting, I, should keep, I keep saying that, right? <laughs> that you should be marketing to, to Muslims, right? Right, and so um, how has it opened the doors then for, for you to develop your business, niching down, how has that actually opened up doors for you? Oh my gosh. So I tell you, when I first started um, going to travel conferences and people would be like, oh wait, you're Glory from Muslim Travel Rocks. And I'm like, how do they even know who I am? They're like, oh my gosh, we support you. We stand with you. And I was like, that just reaffirms like, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. Um, and so a lot of people are curious um, about Muslims in general, about the Muslim travel. So they start asking questions and 
you know, I also am aware that even in the United States, there's places that I can visit that I may be the first Muslim anyone has ever met. And so I always make it a point to remind myself, all right, you may be the first, first Muslim, so you need to leave a good impression. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that when you visit a, a place for the first time? So I, um, I'm always wearing my scarf because I, I wear a scarf. I started wearing my scarf eight years ago. Um, but I am aware of, you know, unfortunately, I have to be aware of my surroundings and who I'm with. But the thing that I have to tell you is that um, I have gotten, I have, I speak to more strangers now than I've ever did when I wasn't wearing a scarf. Wow. People come up to me and they're like, they'll hold the, they'll wait and hold the door so I can walk by just to say hi and, you know, uh, welcome to, you know, thank you for coming to visit us and we need more people like you to come to our town to let people know that we are very diverse, you know. So I I noticed that more people will go out of the way to speak to me, even in grocery lines. I'm waiting in line and somebody will start a conversation and then will just ask me questions. And really what they want to do is to let me know that, you know, they stand with us, um, that, that, you know, they're diverse and that, you know, it's not um, what the president wants us to, to, to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, the United mm-hmm. States and the United States is a Muslim friendly place. It is a friendly place. And it's opened, having this travel blog has actually opened up uh, speaking doors for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I, I have spoken um, in Canada, in Quebec, at the Women's Travel Summit about uh, diversity in travel. So one of the things that I do is I speak about diversity in travel. Um, and that experience was amazing because it was a panel discussion. Um, it was myself, Muslim Travel Rocks. It was Annette from Fat Girls Travel, uh, Fat Girls Traveling, um, Danielle from Black Girls Travel Too, and then um, my other friend from um, Latinas in Heels. So she travels in heels because she has um, something with her arch in her foot. Oh. So, it, so yeah, so that's how her blog got started. So um, that was my first big speaking event. You know, there was over 500 women in the room and we just had an open conversation about what it is to travel as Muslim, what it is to travel as a black woman, what it is to travel as a Latina woman um, and what it is to travel as a heavy set woman. And we couldn't even get off the stage. It, it, we were just like, oh my gosh, what's happening? People just stood up and you know they gave us a standing ovation but besides that they all ran to the stage and i kind of felt bad because the founder of uh women's and travel summit was speaking after us and it took them about 30 minutes before she can even get on stage oh my goodness (laughs) so that was exciting and it just like i said it reaffirmed that you know this is why i'm doing this to educate people Mm-hmm. And uh, what other uh, conferences uh, or associations do you belong to that are useful? Sure. So I speak at uh, TravelCon. Um, I spoke in Austin, Texas at TravelCon about the Muslim travel industry. Um, and I speak at different universities, uh, a lot of uh, Facebook groups, um, especially now since we're, you know, on COVID, so everybody's right. online. So I do a lot of that, but um, it, it's just making people aware of uh, the Muslim uh, travel and how much we spend. And so I do have a lot of like um, 
especially here in Philadelphia, I have a lot of uh, hotels calling me. And so I want to educate them. And I'm going to say, okay, this is how Muslim travel. This is, you know, what we need in order to travel and how we spend our money. Um, but as a travel writer, you get to choose and pick who you work for. All right. So that's like the one thing that I'm, I'm happy about a lot is that I get to pick and choose what brand I work for, who I write for. And I'll give you an example. I was approached by a hotel that had just opened in, in Philadelphia and they wanted, um, they wanted me to help them to become more Muslim friendly. So, you know, we had meetings and meetings and, and I was telling them, um, guiding them on to how to be more friendly. And when it came to the point when I said to them, okay, so these are the mosques that are located around your hotel that we can talk about. And so um, the, the um, I forget the name of the position, the lady that was in, in charge of the hotel said to me, well, hold on a second. I don't want you to talk about that particular mosque because that's an all black mosque. And that took me by surprise. I'm like, and I was just in total shock. And I was like, okay, so you don't want to talk about, so I realized right there and then that, you know, she was racist mm -hmm. and cut off all ties. I said, nope, not doing this for you. Here's my bill. And I'm not, I'm not working with you. Yeah. So, so do people contact you, um, for your consulting, um, you know, uh, like, like that through, because of your blog? Yes. Uh, tour, um, tour boards in different cities will contact me and ask me, you know, if I would come down to, to their town or their city and um, to write a blog post and to actually we'll just have conversations on how they can be more Muslim friendly, how to be diverse in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. So um, the, um, you belong to some associations though, right? And um, what are the benefits of belonging to a, like a travel association? Can you tell which ones you belong to and what are the benefits? Well, I, I don't belong to any associations oh, in, the, okay. in the travel uh, industry at all. And for me personally, I haven't seen a, a benefit for me mm. as a Muslim traveler um, because a lot of the places, associations that I have spoken to will kind of say to me, well, mm, I don't know if there's a place for you in our association. So that's something oh. else that I, so I'm like, okay, so then I don't need to, you know, do business with you. I don't need to belong to you. I don't need to give you my money if you don't think that there is a place for me in your organization. Right. So, but I don't focus on that. I just focus on serving the needs of the Muslim traveler and educating the travel industry, especially here in America. So the, the, the summit that you spoke to uh, um, in Quebec City, um, is, is that an, uh, an organization that you belong to or that you, yes. yeah. Yes. So it's the Women's in Travel Summit and the, um, the group is called She's Wonderful. And it's run by Beth Santos. She is the founder. Um, and I do a lot of, we work together a lot, um, of course, on, on diversity and travel industry. And it's a wonderful group. I honestly have to say that it's a sisterhood to me. Because um, you, you don't just have writers there. You have uh, everyone in the travel industry. So you have photographers. You have um, food experts or, or writers, um, you have YouTubers, you just have everything. Um, 
uh, PR reps, you just have everything in that industry. And it really, truly, to me, feels like a, a sisterhood of where I can go. And the funny thing is that when we go, um, I've gone to three so far, and I think there's only been five, because I've gone to, to three summits. And it's like, you you become friends with the people that are there, and you share stories. And, you know, we laugh, and we cry, and so it, it's exciting. It, it's a really nice place and I totally love it. And you guys should check it out. It's called She's Wonderful. And the Travel Summit is called Women in Travel Summit. And it's uh, one, it's not like, it's W-A-N, right? Like one, like we're wandering. One, yeah, W, yeah. yes, wandering. Not wondering, we're wandering. Wandering, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll provide the, um, the link later. Um, and so what happens at a summit? So, um, so at the couple of summits that I've been to and conferences, um, you have a lot of classes on, so you can, like I spoke on diversity and then another time I spoke on Muslim travel. So you're, you know, educating people what it's like. Um, but you have classes, there's the travel con, they had photographers and the photographers actually took us to different places within Austin, Texas to take pictures and show us how to take the correct pictures, how to include people in your photos, how not to do it. So you're actually learning on the spot. Um, we had an Instagram class. So there's just many different um, classes that you can attend. And then of course you always have your, um, your meetings that with the whole group is there and you travel a lot. But in the traveling um, summits, the whole town opens up for whoever's coming. So if she's wonderful, the whole town opens up. So what happens is you have pre-tours and then after the summit tours. So you just sign up for whatever tours you want to go to. Um, and then they, what they do is they want you to, they want everybody that's at the summit to talk about their town, to talk about their brand, to talk about their establishment. So now you have 500, 600, 700 people all talking about your brand, your business, what they experienced, what they like, what they didn't like. And so I'm telling you, the whole town goes out, goes all out. That's cool. So um, what did you learn uh, from the photography uh, workshop? Because I know that's uh, more and more an important part of blogging. And when you're writing tra travel articles is the ability to take your own photos. So what were some tips that, that you took away from that? So one of the tips that, and I can't, I'm like looking at my phone right now. Um, was to take a picture, when you take a picture, there's, and I don't even know the correct term from, because I can't remember, but there's the lines in there and that your, uh, the face should be in one of those squares. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, okay. So that's really cool. I didn't know that. Um, and then, you know, how to set your camera and, but to me, that was the most important because I was just taking pictures. I didn't know that the face or whatever you're taking a picture of should be in one of those squares. Yeah, not right and in the middle. Correct. And then also not always to be like uh, pictures of people or things, you can have a hand, just a picture of a hand. Um, there's different different tips, so it was really good. Awesome, awesome. And what um, role does Facebook play in the, you know, spreading the word about, about what you do? It plays a huge role. Um, it plays a huge role because everybody is on social media. But to me, Facebook, for me, Facebook is better than Twitter. I don't 
do a lot of things on Twitter, but Facebook is where, you know, if you want to learn about something, you're just going to Google, you know, on Facebook. And so my group, uh, the, my page, Muslim Child Vox, have, has grown to over 4,000 people. It's engaging. Um, but that's how people find me. And that's how they'll contact me and ask me questions and we'll set up meetings. But it's, um, it's really important because we all use Facebook. I mean, that's the reality. Everybody's on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And so um, when people contact you and want to work with you, do you, do you have like a lead magnet that they can sign up on your mailing list? How does that uh, part of the business work for you? Yeah, so for Muslim Travel Rocks, I have um, a free, um, it's a guide on how Muslim travels and what the travel spend is. So that's the first thing that I send them to is, you know, go here and once you read the guide, if you're interested in working with me and finding out more, then you can contact me. Oh, cool. That's great. All right. So is there anything else that you would like to uh, tell my students or tell the, the listeners? Um, we're going to open it up to questions in a minute, but anything else that you feel is important that we should know? Sure. So absolutely. So one of the things that's really important, as you said, with Facebook is uh, your online visibility. That's really important. So by Better targeting um, goes hand in hand with improved online visibility. So by focusing on your niche, you'll find search engine optimization a lot easier. You're targeting a specific group of people and then there'll be less competition for keywords uh, when you're targeting and the traffic in your track is more likely to convert into sales and you know, for them to, the brands to be able to work with you. Um, so that is the, one of the most important things is your online visibility. And the more that you niche down, the more people can find you because people are looking for a specific thing. They're not looking for something that's broad. You can't write to, for everybody, right? You have to write for a specific group of people. Yeah, they say if you're writing for everybody, you're writing for nobody. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's great, thank you. So any questions for Glory? You can just unmute yourself. Or any comments? Yeah, I have a question. Um, I was wondering if does this start as a just kind of as a hobby or as a as a side hustle, and is this something you do full time now? So it started as a way for me to combat Islamophobia during the presidential election. Mm -hmm. I I had the need that I had to do something. I had to say something. I could not be quiet. So this is a, how can I start that? And then I immediately realized that this is a business. This is not a hobby. And that's, um, it's one of the things that I see in, um, when I go to travel conferences is that some people will see what they're doing as a hobby and not as a business. And so I also work as a coach. And that's one of the things that I coach on is that you need to see this as a business immediately. It's not just a hobby. It should be a business. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Christopher, do you have a question? Yes, I actually was uh, kind of curious uh, um, regarding how it came to be because you mentioned that you started this during the uh, Muslim travel ban back in, um, I think it was 2016. Yep. And I, I was just curious to see like, um, in terms of targeting people during that time, how did you capture their attention from the get-go? Well, so I have to say it, it was actually easy because it was during a time that you know, it was the Muslim travel ban and everything that was happening in the United States. Um, so I, what I started doing was I started going to conferences. Um, New York, they have the, um, 
it was my first conference. The, um, it was a conference in New York in January every year. I forget what it's called right now. It escapes my, my mind. But I have to tell you a quick story if you allow me to. Um, when I went to this travel conference, it was my first conference. It was the day that the Muslim travel ban started, right? So I started my blog like in October, the month right before the presidential election, right? And then in January, I went to the travel conference in New York City. And when I left the travel conference, I went to the hotel and, you know, my family was calling me and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh my God, there's a Muslim travel ban. And I turned the TV on. And I sat at the edge of the bed and I said to myself, this is not happening. This can't be happening in America. I can see it in another country, but this can't be happening in America. And so I, I told my family, I'm okay, I'm fine. I'm at the hotel, don't worry. But as I'm seeing the news, I'm seeing people and in the news media, people are running to the airports. It wasn't just Muslims. It was everybody was running to the airports in New York and in Texas, they were everywhere and they were supporting because there were people in the air that now had to go back to wherever, you know, the president said they needed to go back to. So for me, I am a Muslim, I am Latina, I'm Puerto Rican. And where am I supposed to go to? I was born and raised here. This is, this is my country. This is where my home is. So where would I go to? Um, so it was not hard. The one thing that I focused on was to really talk about how Muslim friendly we are in America. And that's when I got a lot of people overseas contacting me and asking me to write blogs. Um, one of the things that I focused on, on was how, you know, Trump wanted to divide us, but he actually united us because, you know, after the travel, the Muslim travel ban, we had the women's march. We had so many things that really united us and you know, did not separate us. So um, that's how a lot of people um, like in Europe were contacting me because I was writing about how we were being united and not separated. Well, thank you so much, Glory. It was wonderful thank you to- so to much for having more. me. Yes, thank you, it was exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You'll find all the links mentioned in today's interview at bit.ly forward slash the OYC podcast. To find out more about Rapid Plan, the online memoir writing retreat, go to bit.ly forward slash rapid memoir. Mm -hmm.